What's happening, everyone? Welcome into another episode of the Final Score Podcast. Greg Swatek of the Frederick News Post Sports Department here with you. And we're on to uh, week three of the uh, high school football season. And we'll talk in just a second to uh, John Cannon and Alexander Dacey about that. Uh, but on this week's episode, we'll have uh, Middletown boys soccer coach Jeff Kolsch. Uh, he's a Middletown alum, uh, played soccer there, uh, went, uh, and uh, coached there uh, under Bob Scheffler. And he's, he's the longtime coach of the program, so we'll talk to Jeff about uh, his uh, team this season and his, his background and his uh a long-time commitment in the Middletown community. So I look forward to talking to you, uh, Jeff, in uh, just a couple of minutes. Uh, but first, uh, let's swing around the Frederick County sports landscape with my colleagues uh, here at, at the FNP Sports Department, uh, John Cannon and Alexander Dacey. Uh, welcome, guys. And I guess the big surprise uh, in uh, week two of the football season last week, not, not, none of us saw it, but... Uh, but uh, Ligonor falls to Westminster, 44-28. What, what, what was your reaction when you saw that, John? Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I, uh, I actually saw Westminster beat Ligonor, I want to say, back in 2012. That, I mean, I'm thinking that's the last time they beat them. Um, so it doesn't happen too often. Yeah, it's been oh, 10 years, right? Yeah, the, co- the coach of that Westminster team was, was Brad Wilson, was Brad Wilson uh, yeah. now the Urbana head coach. And they had a powerhouse offense mm-hmm. that year. Um, yeah, kids uh, set state record that night. Their receiver, uh, boy's last name was Bean or something like that. He had called in like five touchdown passes or something crazy like that. Yeah, they, they had a spread offense. They went all the way to the state semifinals that year, Westminster, and um, and uh, before losing to Quince Orchard. And uh, Ligonor's totally dominated the series since. I, I think that was Westminster's last win in the series, and, and, and it hasn't even really been close. Ligonor's won uh uh the game since really by an average of 30 points so uh <clears throat> it was just eye-opening uh to see that score and especially early on uh, it was 27-7 i think at the end of the first quarter so ligonor gave up four touchdowns in the first quarter it was uh, I'm, I'm sure you were shocked too alexander even though you haven't been around frederick county football uh for as long as we have yeah i mean just kind of you know hearing kind of knowing the, the history just sort of looking into it from what you guys have told me from doing my research on the Lingenor uh, season preview I did um, you know more shocking to me again is that the is that the defense kind of got carved up there again especially in the first half um, you know their, their offense seemed like it was again a little slow to start but kind of you know started started doing better in the second half but at that point it's like if you've given up 44 points and you're playing from a significant deficit is going to be hard to make you know hard to make that all up so yeah I don't I think that I mean it, it kind of shows that again this, the county's maybe a bit more wide open this year than we than we thought um in our previous consensus top three I think has a has a lost and gained uh has a has a swapped members here um but yeah it'll be really interesting to see how they bounce back I mean big game this week against Walkersville which you know they're they're I, I again, I think they're. I think we probably all agree they are probably better than Walkersville, but like we'll have to see given both teams, you know, starts to the season. And and the thing yeah. about Ligonor and the way they're built, the way they yeah. play, they're they're not built to come from behind. They're, right. They're, they rely on that running game, and, and they rely on getting leads and playing good defense and just pounding teams with that running game. So when you fall behind by. 20 points in the first quarter, it, it, it's going to be tough sledding for them to come back. They're capable of doing it, and they did chip away and sort of get back into the game. 
on uh, on Friday against Westminster, but it was just too much to overcome, and, and the hole that they fell into was was, was a little too deep. So uh, that was uh, the big surprise result from last Friday. We had another very bizarre incident. Fortunately, it wasn't quite as scary as the one the week before that you saw, John, at St. John's Catholic Prep, but uh, the stadium was was emptied uh, in, in late in the third quarter of the Frederick Middletown game. Frederick looked <clears throat> very, very impressive in a 42-14 win over Middletown. They, they appear as good as advertised that their offense is very diverse, a, a, a lot of weapons. It's not just it's not just Trayvon Neal and uh, Tay Anderson, the running back. Uh, uh, Deontay Pryor, uh, their junior receiver, had a monster game over 200 yards receiving, and, and they and they have uh, guys beyond that that, that they, they can uh, make plays and, and, and score points for them. So, uh, first and foremost, a very impressive um, uh, win by Frederick over over what should be a pretty good Middletown team by the end of the season. But um, but it was just a bizarre scene at the end of the third quarter. Uh, a, f- a fight broke out in the stands. I, I don't know how it started, or, or I don't know a lot of p- the particulars. But um, there was a big disturbance in the crowd, and instead of taking a chance of something bad happening, um, <clears throat> the personnel at Frederick High just decided to kick everyone out, <laughs> and uh, and and the game was finished in an empty stadium. So. Uh, but Frederick looked very impressive. Uh, Middletown, um, they, they couldn't get uh, Carson Smith had a decent game. He had a he had a uh, he had a, a, a touchdown uh, catch uh, actually, and and a touch and um, and he he got a little bit on track in the second half, but but he didn't have nearly the game that he had the week before against Tuscarora, and uh, Middletown just struggled to do anything against that Frederick defense. So. Uh, John, you saw Brunswick and TJ, and uh, Brunswick uh, bounced back from their big win, or for, uh, I'm sorry, from their uh, loss to uh, South Carroll the week before. Yeah, they look good. Um, offensively, they really pounded the ball. They um, they had Ben Wells, who was with them last year. He was kind of like their third option at running back. He's the feature back now, and they, I think he got touched the ball 26 of the first 27 carries for them, and he, and he had 209 yards off of those 26 carries and um, a couple, couple touchdowns rushing, also one receiving, a little little screen pass and so they uh, they look good I mean their passing game they, they took a couple shots downfield uh seemed like the timing was a little off um you know it'd be, I don't know if it was overthrown or the guy didn't receiver didn't run his route completely but uh they you know they did what they had to do and uh to bounce back their defense is really tough too uh did not give up any points their starting defense um they, the touchdown that TJ scored against his starters was a kickoff return and then uh TJ scored later on um um as the game progressed against a lot of the second second string. Have you defense. have you noticed a progression from Ethan Houck, their their sophomore quarterback yeah, uh, for Brunswick? He made some decent throws. Again, it was hard to tell. It seemed like their their uh, vertical passing game was a little out of sync. Um being the second game of the season. I mean he threw throws a nice ball. He's a decent sized kid too, so um I think by the end of the year he, he could be some somebody to be wary of if you're a, a defensive back yeah especially uh, 1a and 2a schools mm-hmm. uh the, the 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 team's more in brunswick's weight class than tj which right. is which is almost mm-hmm. a 4a school that they beat and brunswick's and, defense was tough i mean they hassled uh, the tj uh, quarterback a good bit and uh really kept tj from running the ball so they uh yeah, it's a good solid defense uh, yeah, I mean, Brunswick coached by former TJ coach Jerry Smith, and mm-hmm. in the three years that they've played uh, since uh, uh, Coach Smith went to Brunswick, Brunswick's mm-hmm. dominated all three matchups. So mm-hmm. I, I found that sort of be, to, to be interesting. 
Uh, maybe the team that's opened more eyes than anyone so far, guys, is Urbana. Mm -hmm. uh, a big 38 nothing win over Richard Montgomery um, in week one. And then they go on the road last week and avenged uh, a, a loss from the previous season. They, they hammered Sherwood 40-3 to and, mm -hmm. and that rebuilt defense. It, it, it's come to play so far. Uh, three points allowed in, 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 in two games. And uh, Alexander, you're, you you know Sherwood football mm -hmm. well. I mean, oh, I know them all too well. <laughs> right, right. Uh, uh, that was sort of an eye-opening result. I don't know the last time Sherwood. I can. I don't think I can remember the last time Sherwood football's lost a game that decide that decisively at home. Too, at, yeah. home at home, not you know, at, down in uh, only nonetheless. Um, that's that was very surprising. Like I think we we'd all I think I think one one or two of us may have picked Sherwood, but it was we all kind of were like, this is gonna be close. These are should be two fairly even teams, but I mean, you're right. That defense just, you know, they like brought up, you know, brought up a lot of the Damascus staff to Urbana and they're they're They clearly installed. Everyone's kind of clearly figured out the system and bought into it and they've installed it really well. Um, and then, you know, now again, now also now that they're opening up more of a, you know, kind of air raid system again, um, you know, slinging the ball around. Sure. I'm sure with having Ke you know, Keegan Johnson and then their very fairly talented receiving core, um, you know that that helps too. But yeah, that was that was probably the big, just the biggest surprise again. I I've you know never seen Sherwood kind of get blown out like that before, at least not in the last eight nine years that I've really been paying attention. Yeah, and it's it's the offense <laughs> yeah. too, the urban passing game with Keegan Johnson, like you pointed out, the receivers, Riley Johnson. And, and they, uh, uh, excuse me, Riley Smith, and and, uh, and, and they have some uh, Keegan Johnson, Riley Smith. Um, uh, they have some other nice receivers too. So so seventy eight to three so far for Urbana in two games over over Montgomery County team. So they've they've been by far the most dominant team uh, in, in the county. Uh, Oakdale improved the two and zero with a twenty eight ten win over Walkersville. Walkersville has tripped them up in the past. Um, Mead uh, beats beats Tuscarora. Um, uh, Catoctin loses to Mountain Ridge, and Alexandria. You were at St. John's mm -hmm. Catholic Prep. They, they were uh, trying to bounce back from their sort of shocking uh, 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 medical event that they experienced uh, with Winters Mill uh, the week before, and they played Francis Scott Key. It seemed like a pretty competitive game. Yeah, it was it was I mean it was very low scoring. Clear neither team had a ton of success moving the ball. Um the uh, uh FSK got out to a lead on the first possession. They they kicked the ball off and uh I'm not sure what St. John's was doing, but they just kind of they think they were trying to let it go out of bounds, but the key player just came up, scooped it, and they had a very easy drive to get a touchdown. St. John's looked better after that. They got a couple a couple nice touchdown runs, a couple long drives. Uh, and then it kind of just settled into a big defensive slog the rest of the game. Um, you know, their their defense is looking pretty good, and they they held. I mean, key key second half key dominated possession. They had they opened that half with like an eight about an almost eight minute drive, um, and and then I mean the the St. John's offense couldn't really get the ball past. They had like one play just barely past the fifty in the second half. Um, so you know their off their offense you know work in progress, but their their defense you know was holding holding strong and seems to be seems to be pretty legit and, and i'm sure a sigh of relief on the st john's uh, uh um part of it 
they've started a game and finished, finished. It, and finished it. More importantly, finished a game right at their new and, stadium. And it was nice. They um they did a little uh you know they they encouraged everyone to wear gray um at the game. So you know most of the fans from both from both teams were wearing gray. Um and then they had yeah, a, for, for Grace and Lions. for Grace and Lions the, 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 the winners mill player who was um who experienced heart failure and was um, medevaced <laughs> to shock trauma the week before so um <clears throat> but yeah so they were wearing gray and then they they gave a little small update on his condition at the game and then they had a the student section had a just had a nice banner that said Grayson Strong with his jersey number on it so um you know nothing nothing too like over the top but you know just a Kind of a, just a generally nice show of support. Yep. So we have week three coming up. Uh, Ligonor uh, hosts Walkersville. Um, Oak, Oakdale and Middletown uh, play. And, and th- those are probably the two marquee games. Frederick plays Wheaton. And Frederick's schedule really isn't, 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 that, isn't that tough uh, for, for, for much of the season. They only have four home games. But, but, uh, the, but they should be in pretty good shape by the end of the season. They, they do have to go to Oakdale. They do host Ligonor, so those are their two mm-hmm. big games. But uh, other than that, they should be in pretty good position uh, uh, for the rest of the season. And Urbana plays a Saturday game this week against uh, Parkville. So, um, so uh, that's a bit unusual. <clears throat> uh, um, week three Saturday game uh, for Urbana. So, so that's what the football uh, slate looks like in Frederick County this week. Uh, uh, the, the big games uh, coming up. Uh, what about what about non-football events, guys? Um, uh, what, what, what's sort of jumped out at you in the last week? A- anything? Um, so I guess I guess it's only been a few days since we've done since we've done a you know done a podcast. So there hasn't been a you know much in the non-football department, at least that I've done. Uh, I I covered a boys' soccer game on um, what was that Monday. Uh, and, uh, it was Oakdale versus, um, Williamsport. Oh my God. I'm, I am currently, I was currently blanking on that game because it was not supposed to be what I was covering originally. And then, <laughs> then of course rain changed our plans, but, um, yeah, Oakdale, Oakdale looked much, much better than their, their first game was kind of a, a tight, you know, a tight slug fest. Their second game, they, they opened up the score scoring about 25 minutes in and, just sort of, you know, hammered hammered Williamsport from there for nothing. Um, hat trick for you know, senior captain Aiden Wright. So, you know, he's you know for he for for a while there he was a hundred percent of their season's offense. Uh, they got a they got a late goal. Um, you know uh, that wasn't from him. Uh, that he he did assist on, but um, so they you know they have a like they have a pretty good player there. Uh, and then uh, Tuesday, I was at a Middletown for their run in the Valley. Yeah, let's get them cross country. Cross country, my yeah. first time uh, doing cross country. I've done track before, you know, like once or twice, but first time doing cross country. So that was uh, interesting and kind of fun. Um, course was very, very muddy because it, you know, it stormed the day before. But uh, um, but uh, Catoctin's Alex Contreras uh, crossed first uh, on the on the boys' side. Girls' side was Middletown's Aaron McQuitty, who. 2019 uh, class 2A state champion, but uh, had not uh, before Tuesday had not won a race uh, since that moment. Uh, uh, Cross country uh, race, uh, I should specify. Uh, that's crazy. Yeah, so I mean, pandemic and also just sort of straight, you know, kind of struggling to round back into form and all that. But uh, you know, she'd had a couple third place finishes to start the season, was looking good, and she's now you know middle clearly Middletown's top runner. She's she's their she's their top girl, um, and is you know gonna you know, going to probably be finishing, you know, at least first on her team in all the events that she's in. Um, and yeah, and she, and so she won by about nine seconds, um, over Urbana's Ivy Cauldron. It was a pretty, pretty close the entire time between the two of them. 
it, so it, it seems like Middletown runs in a lot of top level meets too. Mm-hmm. So th- so she could be running well and and, and not finishing first necessarily. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. That 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 contributed to her not or not winning races too is she she's often <laughs> competing in very high level races but but she's a talented runner and it, it was just shocking to see that she hadn't won in in, yeah. in so long since her since her state championship race so uh, john any non-football uh, observations i know you saw katakton volleyball i guess yeah, yeah actually katakton tj volleyball now katakton is usually a solid program I haven't seen TJ much recently, but actually TJ looked pretty pretty good themselves. Uh, they got a, a girl. She's I, they I, they say she's six foot three, and I believe it. Her name is Anna Fewer at the net, and she was kind of a, a real force for Catoctin to deal with. Catoctin won. They won th- uh, three to one, but uh, yeah, they uh, it was it was a good match. I mean, they're 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 two good solid programs. You know, I don't know if they're gonna they're not gonna powerhouses or anything like that. They're good good early season volleyball match between the two. Yep. Now, b- before we go and before we bring uh, uh, Jeff Colshon, uh, Middletown boys soccer coach, I do want to mention that I saw the Linganor boys win their first match um, in in two years. Uh, they beat Walkersville one nothing, and they got an early goal, and then the defense really played very well. Walkersville had very few chances to score, and and uh, and Linganor, uh, um, they they got a, they had a happy bus ride home for the first time in about in about two years because they hung on for a one nothing win uh, <clears throat> over over Walkersville. So um, so yeah. So uh, in just a couple of minutes, uh, we'll uh, bring on uh, uh, Jeff Kolsch, a Milltown Boys soccer coach. Look forward to talking to him. So stay with us here on the final score. All right, we are back here on the final score and very pleased to welcome onto the program the head coach of the Middletown Boys soccer team, uh, Jeff Coles. Jeff, how long have you been coaching soccer now? Well, it's my 11th season as the varsity head coach, and then I've been at Middletown for 19 seasons, 18 or 19 seasons. I was a JV coach before that, and I was an assistant coach before that. Does it feel like you've been there 19 seasons? Yeah, yeah. Some days it feels like it's been 39 seasons, uh, <laughs> but, but you know, it's still other days. It's you know, just as much fun as it was the first season. But yeah, definitely feels like I've been around a long time. Well, why do you still enjoy the job as much as you do? Well, I think, you know, we just all of the coaching staff, we just enjoy getting to work with the kids and just seeing them learn and progress. I mean, really, it's just I'm a teacher who happens to coach so I I just like to see them learn and get better just same way I would see them in the classroom you used to do what we do here right you used to you dabbled in uh, journalism a little bit or uh, only you know only briefly I would not do it not to the extent you do it you know you guys do it so much better than I do but I you know I wrote a little bit briefly in college and actually uh, Noah Katie is still the journalism teacher at Middleton High School he does a great job and I was in his first classes doing journalism back in the day. So I did, I dabbled a little bit in it and, you know, enjoyed it, but it's, it's hard work what you all do. So I uh, decided to go and do something easy like teaching. <laughs> well, uh, I'm not sure how much more, uh, how much easier it, it is. Did, did you think you were going to be a sports writer one day or? Yeah, I never, I never really thought that. I think I was in, I was in journalism in high school because I enjoyed it, enjoyed the teacher and, it really was an incredible class, very helpful for my writing skills. So I, I enjoyed that a lot. I didn't do any sports writing in high school. And then in college, 
I was able, I went to James Madison and I made a little bit of money on the side. I got to go, go to women's soccer games, men's soccer games, basketball games, you know, the, the fun things, fun side of the job and would write a few articles, get paid a little bit of money, but I was never, yeah, that was just never really on my like long-term radar to do. Yeah. But it was still a fun job, right? Yeah. I mean, if anyone's you know, listening, it's a good way to, you know, spend your college time, make a little bit of money. I don't know you know, how much they might pay now at JMU's paper, but back then it was only 10 bucks an article, but it wasn't a bad way to spend a couple hours. And, and what sort of steered you toward the teaching, coaching end of things? Yeah, I, I never, never grew up wanting to be a teacher, although a lot of that was in my family. My sister's a teacher. She's an English teacher uh, who lives in Scotland. My mother was a secretary at a, at a middle school. My father coached and just youth sports. He coached uh, kind of the, the mid-Maryland basketball for girls. He did that for about 20 years. And so I was around coaching my whole life. I grew up in a gymnasium, you know, turning on the gym lights and sweeping the floor and doing all that. So I was kind of just used to that. And then the teaching thing kind of grew out of, you know, when I reached the end of my college year, I, th I sort of started thinking, what do I want to do? And I was subbing and I really enjoyed it. I just fell in line with that. And then coaching came after that, really just because of Bob Scheffler. He just said, hey, you know, do you want to come over and help me? And I said, of course. And then it kind of grew from there. It, it's sort of interesting, the dynamic, I find, because uh, if there's coaching and uh, teaching already in the family, some kids might want to do the polar opposite. They might want to go in the exact opposite direction. But you, but you were sort of drawn to it. Yeah, well, I can understand. I can understand going the other direction, I and mean, it just depends, you know, how how you want to spend your day and live your life. And so, but you know, but you initially said you weren't interested in teaching. No, well, I think you know part of that is the, the little sibling, right? You know, if if your older sister has that dream, then you want to create your own identity. Right, but that, that's what I mean. Thing. You want you yeah. want to go you want to go in the opposite direction. Yeah. So I thought you know I thought I'd be like her. I thought I'd travel the world. Um, and never go back to the small town I grew up in. And then I ended up going back to the small town I grew up in. I still live there. I, I coach there and I work there. So I guess you never really know in life where you're going to end up. Yeah, well, what does that mean to teach and, and coach at, at your alma mater? I think it's, you know, there's a, there's a few of us around who, uh, you know, are at Middletown. There's, there's Sean Baker at Brunswick. There's a bunch of different assistants at different programs. I I do think it's a special feeling I think um, it's probably the only thing that keeps drawing me to coaching is because you know unlike unlike all the other coaches I coach against they're just they're unbelievable they they are so in love with the game and they're they're so knowledgeable of the game I think the thing that keeps me going is just that I love the school I love the community and I look at it I look at it kind of like um, you know it's been a world cup year I look at it like Middletown's like like my country, you know, it's it's like pride I would have if, if I was representing the USA. I still have that pride, um, you know, for the black and orange. So I enjoy that. Have you ever been close to leaving Middletown for any reason? Not really. Uh, I don't think so. Um, just, you know, I don't think anybody else, you know, there's nobody recruiting me. Nobody knocking on my doors that would want me to, to go coach anywhere or go teach anywhere. So I sort of enjoy what I'm doing and I've never wanted to like wander into a a different profession. COVID years were, were rough. I think that was hard on everybody and it was hard to be 
you know, in and around education during those, those turbulent times. But we've, you know, gotten through a lot of that. And, you know, I just still really enjoy doing what I'm doing and working where I'm working. But you've never yearned to live anywhere else or anything like that? No. Well, I think one day I will. You know, I think, uh, you know. Well, when you grow up, Jeff. When I, yeah. Um, maybe when I retire one day, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll head out of the town. I, I think I have the best of both worlds. I live in a, a great place, um, great neighborhood, a great community. But I can go see my sister. She lives in a different country. She lives in a city. I, I, you know, I can I can escape the the negatives of the small town world. Right. Is, you know, it's like everybody's yeah. in your business all the time. But I can I can escape from that sometimes and then come back and get the best of it. Yeah, you always have the place that you call home while yeah. you're you're able to explore the rest of the world. Yeah. Um, do you do a bunch of international traveling? Have you have you gone to Scotland to see your sister a couple of times? Or well, I haven't. You know, COVID and uh, there was a little bit of you know some cancer and things in our family that we kind of navigated through these last few years. So I haven't been able to go to Scotland since 2019. But yeah, I've been there uh, maybe 15 different times. I've been lucky to. Were your parents international travelers as well? Or no, my dad was in the Navy, so they bounced around the U.S. a lot, and he never got. Put in, you know, stationed anywhere internationally. Um, so I never had that. But my aunt and uncle, um, they live in, in Belgium. And so they were a military family. And they lived in South Korea. They live in Belgium um, and different parts of the U.S. So I have had that component. You know, I could visit them and then my sister visiting her. So uh, and some of the friends I've made over my life, they've been international friends as well. So been I've had great free places to say that I think that's the best way to travel is crash with somebody, you know, but being, being, uh, so international as you are in your family, who's, who's, who's your soccer club? Well, you know, I, I probably, you know, I end up back in Middletown as a local guy. I mean, DC United is as bad as they are this year. Uh, they're my, you know, they're my team. Cause I, I'm at that age where, you know, I can remember when they got started and they, yeah. were, they were so unbelievable when they got started and, the Marco Echeverries, the Jaime Morenos, uh, those guys grew up loving them. And actually, my dad went to UVA, and we used to watch a lot of UVA lacrosse and UVA soccer. We'd go down to Charlottesville, and a lot of the men's uh, tournament games were local in Maryland before lacrosse really took off. Um, we became really big Bruce Arena fans, and he was coach at UVA during their dynasty, and then he took over DC United, then he took over the U.S. national team. So... Interestingly, I was sort of aware of, you know, Bruce Arena and was reading coaching books because my dad was a coach and a UVA fan. So I was kind of uh, in on that. And when he was the first coach at DC United, that was like a, it almost seemed like I could just tell. I was like, this is great. You know, this is so awesome. Now I do have a, a second team through my brother-in-law. My brother-in-law is Scottish and he's Catholic and uh, from Glasgow. So Celtic is his team. And okay. That's, that's the... You know, I've been to some Celtic matches. I've been to a Champions League match. I've been to a few league games. And I have to say that that uh, for any soccer fan, if you can get overseas and see a game in another country, it's it's so much different than any American sport. I've been to Redskins games, well, now Commanders, and uh, Ravens, and Orioles, and Nationals, and Pirates. Um, so I've been to a bunch of different stadiums, and uh, nothing nothing is quite like 
watching Celtic uh, play in a home match. Yeah, I've never had the chance to to go to an international match. I would love to one day because just put it in the budget. You know, yeah. the FMP needs to yeah. set that aside for you. Well, uh, arrange arrange an overseas trip for the Middletown soccer team that I could tag along. Okay, on. all right. We're gonna have to fundraise, I think, a lot for it, but we'd bring you along. And yeah, can I can I get a seat on the back of the the plane or the? You, or, yeah, or, if or you can bus? fly the plane even better, we yeah. might be able to get you. Well, there is a shortage of pilots right now, <laughs> but but I, but I, I I don't think that I am. Uh, qualified uh to do that well so we would we'd be happy to bring you along that'd be a cool story yeah um you mentioned it, it is a world cup year um is, is it weird that it's going to be happening sort of over the holidays yeah definitely um i was able my you know my sister and her family were able to come over this summer for the first time i hadn't seen her in three years and which was great so because she was over here and we didn't have the distraction of the world cup i think that was good because i would have been pulled in both directions she's not a soccer fan so she wouldn't have worried about it my brother-in-law my father we would have been wanting to be in front of the television pretty much the whole day so I think it worked out good this summer but yeah it doesn't feel very natural because it should yeah, be I mean, a summer thing right why are they having the world cup in a country where it's 200 degrees in in in, in, in the summer wow so. Yeah, I can't answer that. That gets to FIFA, and I'm sure there was some money exchanged. But Yeah. Uh, will you plan to attend a match in 2026 somewhere when it's in North America? Definitely. It's like one of my regrets. I was a little kid in 94. Yeah, they, they were playing games at RFK, I know, right? And I was, pl- I was playing. I was so busy playing soccer that summer. I would go to camps, and I'd be at overnight camps, and we'd watch the games. But And so when you're young, you don't, you don't realize that this may never happen again, and so if this is my, could be my last chance, definitely got to, wherever it's going to be, even if it's in Seattle or wherever they put a game, I got to make sure that I get a ticket. Yeah, I, I was sort of bummed that Baltimore, Washington didn't get a, didn't get a host site. Yeah, I think, uh, I think, I think the Baltimore stadium was, was really solid, yeah, but they a had, little bit on the smaller side, maybe. Yeah, they had some friendlies there. I think Chelsea played there recently or, yeah, or not yeah. that long ago. And or... hosted some na- national team games before. Right. But I think that fe- fe- the fe- lore would have been the nation's capital, right. a bigger stadium. But yeah. FedEx Field is, is not in, has been deteriorating. Good, good and, enough shape, right. You know, I don't know how people feel about their ownership, but I think, I think their neglect of the facility probably cost the, the local area a bid. But, you know, Philadelphia is not that far away. So that'd be my, my first choice. And like I said, if I got to go to Seattle, Los Angeles, then uh, I'll do what it takes. It'd sort of be fun to get away a little bit, right? It right. would, yeah. yeah. Well, I'd love to go see those stadiums. I mean, Seattle is supposed to be a beautiful city. Yeah. And, and Seattle has a huge MLS backing. They're, they're, they're like, uh, are they number one in attendance for, for yeah, MLS well, or something like that? Yeah, well, if they're not, they're way at the top. You know, Atlanta now has a big base. But, yeah, um, yeah, definitely 2026 is, is on my mind. Has soccer always been your sport, Jeff, or did did, did you play some other sports? Um, you know, I, I mean, up? I grew up probably like most kids. You know, I grew up playing whatever was in the season. And would you would you, would you play in high school just soccer or just um, soccer? That's because I wasn't good enough. I got cut from the basketball team, yeah. and which is which is fine. It all works out. But um, by that point, I had been playing basketball and um, and soccer, and I grew up playing a little baseball as well, and. Uh, kind of reached a point where when it was fast pitch, I can remember this kid, Ryan, he could just chuck a fastball and I, and it just went right by me. And I realized hitting a baseball is an incredibly tough skill. 
probably wasn't going to be my sport. So, uh, and we didn't have lacrosse or, or everything back then. So picked up extra soccer and basketball, you know, I mean, you know, your listeners can't tell, but you know, not the, the biggest guy. So uh, no, all things nor, being nor equal. Nor am I. And I was also cut from the basketball team, even well, though I desperately wanted to play. So I'm sorry but, to bring but, up but, the traumatic memories. No, it, it's okay. I, I, I think I cried after I was cut on the middle school basketball team. So it was, it was a bit traumatic, but, but I, but I survived and uh, yeah, I just, we, we don't have the physical genes uh, to, to play basketball. We weren't, we weren't blessed with no, those. No, no. Well, and I got to stay around the game. My dad was still coaching, and, yeah. and that was a lot of fun. So I love, I love basketball. I just love, I love sports. I mean, I, I enjoy turning on. Um, my wife is a big tennis. She was a, a college tennis player. She's a big tennis fan. You just so watched the U.S. Open? Just watched or? the U.S. Open. We were, so, we were rooting for Tiafo and uh, following the Maryland connection there and yeah. yeah it was just brilliant just great great tennis really entertaining yeah, great, great to see an american in the semifinals i know, again. I know. It's, we, it's, been, it's been a while i know we were bummed you know serena was probably not going to make the run but even on the women's side there were a bunch of great great women's players so it was a really fun tournament to watch right uh your father was obviously an influence when it came to your coaching uh, coach bob scheffler an influence to so many uh in, in the county was an influence did, did you know you always wanted to be a coach when you sort of took that teaching track when, when you realized sports writing wasn't in your future uh, and you felt teaching might be good. Did, did you know you were going to be a coach too? No, no. I think, you know, honestly, I was, I was just happy. I'm, I'm just happy to be around good people that I can learn from. So, uh, you know, my dad was, was probably my primary influence just in that, that his demeanor, his, the, the way he, you know, um, and he had to make cuts, and I learned even before I was cut myself. You know that that's, you were cut from the soccer team, or um, well, I'd be cut maybe from like club teams, okay, yeah. or I'd get in situations where I'd realize as I got older that club teams, you know, they recruit from all around, and you'd lose your position, you'd lose your starting spot. And my dad was always that great sounding board to sort of keep it all in perspective, in that sense. And you know, it's like okay, you know. This isn't your position, right? I mean, it was it was the role you filled for the team last season, but now you've got to do something different. And he is in a, he just put a lot of care into things. And I learned the organization. I learned the the effort, the time that goes in behind the scenes. Like I said, I mean, he would he would sweep the floors in the gym. He he would turn the lights on, and we'd close everything up. And he just learned that that's that's really a big part of coaching is being organized, being early, uh, having to stay late sometimes, having the conversations with the kids who just need someone to listen to. And I learned, you know, all the little soft skills, the intangibles of coaching. So many of them came from him and, you know, just invaluable things. Um, of course, my mom would put it in perspective because she, she, she could care less about the game and the result. She just wanted to know I was safe and wasn't getting hurt, and then right. You um, weren't. It wasn't like football. You weren't getting tackled or yeah. Well, or, you know, soccer's like got, soccer's yeah. a contact sport. It can yeah. get it. Can, and I was a little guy, so I would get clobbered a few times. But um, all she would do is just basically win or lose. You know, she'd make sure that she knew that it in a weird way. The game, the result wasn't important, right? Like you know, everything was going to be fine. You know, it's going to be another game to play. The next day would go on because she just didn't. She just had a great attitude of. Like it's sports, put it all in their perspective. So that was good. Right. Was your sister an athlete as well, or? 
She was a, a little bit younger, but she actually went the art, the English, the music. She's super talented, super creative. I mean, during COVID, she learns to like, I don't even know what it is, cross stitch or something. She just gets, she gets these passions and she gets into things and sports was never really that thing, which I think has been fine. It's been good. And so we each had our own different, you know, arenas that we, we enjoy. Uh, and yet we're both teachers, so we have a lot in common. But there's an art form to playing soccer, too. And, and, and soccer lends itself to artistic players. Do you think you caught some of those uh, artistic genes in, in, in uh, your soccer playing career? Or? <laughs> Not when I played. I, I think uh, when I played, I was... I was just here, hardworking, like you were the gr you were the grinder. Yeah, I tried to be the piano carrier and not the piano player. But I appreciate. Well, what would you play? What position? Well, I mean, started out. I'd, yeah, the story of starting out when I played is my dad. My dad offered because he was coaching my youngest teams, and he said, "All right, every player, pick the position you'd like to play, and I'll try to get you into that during the season or once a game." And he never asked me, so I said, "Hey, what? Hey, Dad, what? What position do I get to choose?" And he said, "You're either going to choose left back because nobody wants to play left back, or you're going to choose to start on the bench, and then maybe I'll I'll bring you in." Boy, what choices! And so uh, I said, "Well, I guess I'll be left back because you know I just wanted to play." And so that was where I started. You know, I'm not left-footed. I didn't know anything about defense. So I would, then I thought I'd be a defender. The kids, the older kids in my neighborhood that I grew up watching, our family friends. Uh, a couple of them, you know, is how lucky I am to grow up in Middletown with the soccer. Uh, a couple of them won a state championship in the 90s, and these are the kids I looked up to. They're my babysitters. They're like five and six years older than me, um, and they play defense, so that's what I always thought I would do. That's how I, I dreamed. Then I met Alan Lesklade, who was the coach at Brunswick High School, who was another huge influence. I mean, a phenomenal coach, and uh, he was my club coach, and he actually brought me into the club realm we were it wasn't fc frederick at the time it was frederick excel which was the boys half of what has now become fc frederick and we were just getting started venturing into the dc area and northern virginia and, and alan lesley was taking us there and uh i don't know he must have seen something in me he put me into a, a, a center midfield role like a defensive center midfield role and and i kind of grew from there that's actually i started at left mid for bob scheffler in high school but then um, after a season of that, yeah, then they moved me into center mid and that's, that was where I finished high school. But with club, as I progressed, like I said, center mid is a, a position where if you're playing defensive center mid, you want to be a little bit bigger than I am, a little bit tougher, um, or you might want to have a lot more skill than I had. And so different guys kind of moved me around and I ended up playing back in defense. I played forward sometimes. Um, did you score some goals? No, you no, <laughs> I was, I was a different, I, when I played forward for club, my role was to, uh, to run around to presser, pressure the defense, hold the ball and pass it to the more skilled players. So that's, that was what but, I did. But you, you had to have scored a couple of goals over the course of your soccer career. Over the career. Yeah. I scored a couple, um, you know, but how, how big were like, those moments when you, when you put one home? I don't think I scored any great game-winning goals yeah but, but still to score any goal even if it's gar a garbage time yeah, goal that, yeah. that, that, that has to be some satisfaction it felt good that. actually you know and i did i i my only claim to fame is i never missed a competitive penalty kick in club or in high school 
Were you always going in the same same spot, or no. did you mix it not up? Not always. I did have a favorite side, but not always. Yeah. But um, I was I was pretty good at that, which was weird because I never I never really was asking for the ball. You know, you'll see a center forward; they're the goal scorers. That's their job, and a lot of them want it. But I think um, I think I was asked to do it sometimes just because I was the only guy not freaking out on the field. So coach would just go, "Hey, you take the PK." And um, so those, that's kind of what I would contribute offense. I actually loved, I always loved the pass. I loved the ball that would put someone in or the final cross to the assist. So I had a few of those that I really enjoyed being a part yeah, of. Yeah, except on those, the other player gets the credit and the glory. And, yeah. and you might be the second or third <laughs> assist and, and, you're okay. for, and you're forgotten about. It's okay. I mean, I've, I think what I love about coaching now, I get to be a part of a team. So... I love team sports. I don't know how a tennis player does it. They're out there by themselves. And I know there's doubles, but I mean, in singles tennis, what a tough place to be. You don't have anyone to lift you up when you're down. You don't have anyone that you can lift up when you see they need it. That's what I like about team sports is the the struggles and the lifts and the ups and the downs and you know going through it with the coaching staff, going through it with the team. Um, so as a player, I don't know. I guess I was always drawn to that more than the, the individual piece. Well, let's talk about your team in Middletown this season off to the 2-2 two and two start. Uh, how would you describe uh, this, this group this season? Yeah, I, we and I'm speaking on behalf of the whole coaching staff. Uh, we we are so fortunate. We're so lucky to work with this group. We, we've really loved it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, two and two, right? So some ups and some downs, but those are our favorite teams. I think this is a team that is so coachable. They, you know... We have, I mean, we have room for improvement, to be honest, you know, so we got to keep working. But with, even within a training session, they'll get better. And at the same time, they have just a great spirit. I mean, they, they compete so hard for each other and they play so hard for each other. And that's really all in the end. Of, at the end, that's all we're going to ask for is if you play hard to the final whistle, then we're going to love you. But then we can love this group a little bit more because they can do some some special things uh, out on the field in moments, and we're still learning, and hopefully we can do a few more. So it's, it's been a fun group. Uh, who are your team leaders? Yeah, that's one of the, the things that we've modeled on the U.S. national team is Greg Berhalter as the coach, and he's come in, and he's got a leadership council. He's got a leadership group of guys. Okay. So when they have their next friendlies this month, you might see Christian Pulisic, Mike Captain, and then you might see Weston McKinney or Tyler Adams. So we actually rotated captains through. We don't have anybody that is like a set, you know, this is the the guy uh, kind of thing. Um, but really, we do have a core. We got nine seniors who are in their own way. They're all, you know, showing those great leadership. Now, maybe they're quiet and they work hard. It may be that they're the boisterous ones and they get the voice. I think that whole senior class has been leading, um, you know, just really exceptionally well kind of through, like I say, a team that is going to have some difficulties. And when you play Urbana and Tuscarora and Westminster and Watkins Mill, like we've started the season, I mean, that's difficult. Our scrimmages were difficult. What, what, was that by design, the tough start? or, um, or I didn't. Or just, that's, how the, that's how the cards were, were dealt. I didn't set the schedule. I'm sure that was the athletic director. Well, I mean, part of it is we're in Frederick County, so you can't every week you're going to, play somebody that's really yeah, good oakdale or Banner. yeah i right. mean oakdale's to come and brunswick's and walkersville's you're gonna play all all these teams and 
I guess the only thing that I could control was the, the scrimmages. So we did. We had some really good scrimmages and set that up to try as best as we could to be ready for uh, the first games of the season. And um, and we took our lumps in the preseason. So when we came out and won against Westminster and against Watkins Mill, that was really uplifting for us because we hadn't had a win. We hadn't experienced that feeling yet. And it doesn't, you know, it it's not that it's important to, to win your games early in September, but we've, we did feel a little validation, like, okay, what we're working on is showing some signs here. So that was really good for us and really encouraging for us. Who, who generates your offense for you? Well, um, probably everybody, because right now we're generating a lot of our offense through our defense. So if we work really hard, and obviously there's our forwards and our forwards are scoring goals and we're spreading that out which is really everybody we've played at a forward spot has scored uh so Omar Aguilar MC Tiafi we've got Ashton Smith Freddie Hernandez uh, Colin Duggan I think all of them have scored goals and they've all played at our forward spot so that's really really encouraging but the offense is coming from everybody together so our defenders have assists our midfielders have assists our goalkeeper, J.C. Schooler, has an assist from taking a, a free kick service in. So that's showing you that, you know, we're getting it from from all over the field, which is which is encouraging because it's not that any one of those guys by themselves is going to be at the level of the most elite all-state kind of strikers. So we have to do it collectively. So you're telling me this is a Jeff Cole soccer team uh, well, what does that mean? Uh, I, you know, that no, 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 no. low it, on skill. No, they've no, got more no, skill no, than no, I do. No, so, no, 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 I don't mean that. But, 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 but it's, it's a low, it's a lower profile group. The the defense contributes like like you did uh, as a as a left back and a a, a center midi, and uh, you you just find ways to 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 do your job and and, and play a role on the team. Yeah, that, I mean, you put it you put it more eloquently than I do. But they do and let me tell you, they have so much more skill than I do and that's because the the club and the youth level is so much greater than it was twenty years ago when I'm coming through. So that's a that's a credit to the fact that they're so good is a credit to all those coaches out there and the youth people that they've been working with. But the level is so tough. I mean we just played our banner to score. It's so hard to even get the ball against those teams. Because their skill level, and is, even Brunswick, a one A school, is like, oh a, my gosh. It's like a state caliber team. No, they Brunswick. You can put Brunswick. I don't know if Brunswick will play in Urbana or Tuscora. I'm not sure how how the season will go or if they're on their schedule or not. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, that would be that would be a game worth the ticket price because Brunswick has so many great players with great skill, and then they have they just have that magic now that that every player that came back from that state championship team has that magical feeling uh, and that confidence. And so the, you mix that with their skill and they're, and they're super well coached and everything too. I mean, that's that I'd, I would love to see them play Urbana and Tuscora. Um, I'd love to see them play Urbana and Tuscora the night before they play us because maybe then we'd have a chance against <laughs> Brunswick because they'll be a little bit tired. I don't know. Yeah, there literally are no pushovers. Push no. and, you, and you want a couple of pushovers on the schedule, right? Uh. I don't know if you want. I mean, I don't know if you want pushover just because it, it's it's hard competitively. But you know, but but don't you need like a deep breath every once in a while? You or? do, and and we're lucky to have. You know, we we played four games in seven days, and we, and we finished with, you know, we went to Urbana, then we had to score at home, and, and we had to take the whole long weekend off because, 
we were we were so beat up, so tired. So that you're right, you gotta have a a deep breath, but you don't wanna relax too much because part of what gets you ready for the playoffs, if you're any Frederick County team from Brunswick one eight or Banna Four A is that you get to play awesome, you know, Frederick County teams and uh pushovers are difficult. You know, this goes back to Bob Scheffler. I mean he for all the things he did around the county and the state for the for the game and, and for the sport, um, he put certain lessons of sportsmanship in place. Partly because Middletown was was one of the rare teams to get out and get to state finals during seventies and eighties, and it wasn't always Middletown, but they got out a lot. And you know, I hope coach doesn't really listen to this, but they they run into like a Centennial or an Oakland Mills or. Or Howard County teams, or Cl- Baltimore Cl- area teams. Close, close, close your ears, Bob. Don't listen. That would be coached, you know, and it would have, you know, national team type players on it, guys who would play in like the '90 World Cup and stuff. And they would run us over. I mean, it would be six nothing, seven nothing. And I think what coach would always tell me is he would say, "Yeah, but it could have been twelve, fourteen, nothing." So the the pushover games are tough because. Um, you know, we just we just can't. You just don't want to let it get there. It's a high school sport, right? And so, um, luckily, we don't really have very much of that because we're not at that level. But back in the day when we it was like 2016, you know, that was the rare team. Yeah, you guys were making deep runs. Yeah, and I and it was hard. Those were the hardest games in the season to be like, guys, you gotta you gotta roll it back and and not lose, and then roll it forward again the next night. But you gotta roll it back because you know it's. It's you know we're trying to we're trying to help the guys on the other side too, and we're trying to keep that balance of of sportsmanship in line. So uh, yeah, that's a, that's a tough one to to have the pushover. So thankfully, we really just don't have those to worry about. Uh, the weather is beautiful right now, mm. uh, but it gets colder over the course of the season, and you're playing your most important games of the season, and and maybe some really cold weather. Do you, do you guys notice that, or are you so focused on the training and the games that eh, we 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 don't care that it's cold out here? <laughs> it depends on the team. I think when you have, I think when you have your best teams, they just they just want to get out, want to get out there. They yeah. just don't care. I mean, obviously you don't want to put them out 35 degree pouring right. down rain so right. they get pneumonia, but you know, uh, some of our best nights we've ever had were in were in a dense fog or in a heavy rain. I can remember playing Urbana. It seemed like we played Urbana every year when we were like toe to toe with Urbana and it would be like a pouring down rain or and, the, and now you guys are on turf, so you're definitely playing in the rain as long as, as, the rain, as long yeah. as there's no thunder and lightning, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yep. So so, so yeah, I, mean, I, I guess some teams are more affected by the weather than, than others. Or uh, It probably helps us. I mean, in some years it helps us. If, if you're a really skilled team, you know, a highly technical team, or take an Urbana or Tuscarora, for example, uh, they may not want to play in the pouring down rain because it may, it may slow it down and neutralize it a little bit. So that, that, we didn't have that when we played them, but it may have been helpful. Who knows? Is, is is JC uh schooler is he a pretty calm customer under uh, duress for you? Yeah, he's been he's been well, calm, I mean he's had some tough moments. We ask him to do a lot, you know, and so he's he's doing a great job in goal for us and you know, he he leads by his example out there in the field and does all those great things. And yeah, I don't I don't think there's really any there's nobody on the on the roster that I would say is like a hothead that I have to really talk to um his, I mean, they all have their moments yeah i mean has social media really changed your job at all 
you know, I, I don't go into that world. I mean, it's just not, it's not my world. I have like a, a, a little Twitter account for the team, but I'm so bad at posting on it. I'm not very good yeah, at it. No, but not just, not just you posting yourself, but monitoring what, what your players are putting out there. There have been a few times when, you know, some little dust up or something, you know, kind of comes back to me and you just have to have, you know, again, this is the teacher part. I mean, is to have reiterating just that, you know, look, I mean, it's a game. It's just a game. Sportsmanship. Win or lose. You know, you just, you have to do things the right way. It, it, it used to be you could shake hands and you could be 16 and be frustrated and vent and nobody else would hear it, right? It'd just be like your parents at the table and then they would shut it down. But now you can get on a phone or a device and, and that emotional state can then lead to, you know, something else down the right. line and down the line and down the line. Right. And a little of that's unfair for these 16 year old kids or whatever, but it is the new lesson. And we, we have to keep trying to reinforce that. How, how old are your kids, uh, Jeff? I don't have any kids. Oh, you don't? Okay. No, yeah. not okay. yet. So yeah. I don't have to worry about that. I mean, parenting in the digital age is yeah. no gotta doubt. be stressful. Uh, I know that from my nieces. I got some nieces. So yeah. it's a, uh, it's a challenge for my sister to deal with that. Yeah. I do have to ask, who's the Jeff Kolsch of this uh, Middletown um, soccer team? Well, that would that would be me saying someone with low skill. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, no, so, not at all. No, I don't know. Uh, you know, I think um, the, they are a reflection. These guys are a reflection of, you know, all the great influence that they've had. We have a really cool coaching staff. We've got – couple former night players we got a, a former hood player and former Catoctin all-state player as JV coach and then we've got a former uh, D1 player actually a couple a couple of them are D1 players and I think the guys probably if I was think of their personalities they take they're taking on a lot more uh, on the field stuff from the assistant coaches which is awesome because we've got one coach who handles more of the attacking and just like I said to see them learning and see them growing and taking those lessons and one's working goalkeeper and one's working defense. So I think they're taking more of the things from the coaching staff, which is, which is really cool for me to, to sit back and see. Let me put it this way. Who are the, the, the grinders, the indispensable guys, you have to have them. They might not get the, their names mentioned too often. They might not get noticed too often, but, but they're key cogs on the team. Yeah, I mean, it, again, it'll be hard to choose just because, uh, you know, Omar got his name in the paper. He scored a spectacular goal, but he's also a grinder. Uh, even the guys who get the highlights are grinders, and you're right. The guys who don't get a lot of play, the, um, you know, the guys that are playing in the midfield spots, uh, Peyton Hollis and Beckham Carson and Alex DeVrent and those guys, um, they kind of grind away. But, you know, so does so does our back line. I mean – are back. They've all put in a lot of work. And the cool thing is, you know, other than uh, one injury that we've kind of had to navigate, everybody's been playing and contributing pretty much every game. And so that's, I think that's the sign of a, a strong team too. There's no drop off really. And anybody can slot in and slot out. What are your um, expectations for this group? You know, we don't we don't sit around and talk about we don't make goals. I mean, I don't know what other teams do. We don't really make goals. We don't talk about you know what we're going to win or 
how many wins we're going to have. We just try to talk about each, Okay, so, so what, 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 what's the focus day-to-day or week-to-week well, or game-to-game? Uh, game? Yeah, I mean, our long-term focus is we want to be prepared and ready to play our first playoff game, whoever that is. And, you know, if that's Walkersville, if it's Poolsville or whoever else is uh, in our region, um, that's what we want to prepare for. And so when we win a game, like, you know, Westminster, we kind of say, all right, you know, this is a great start, but we're still working towards, you know, uh, anybody that was there last year remembers how much it hurt to lose at Glen Elg in the playoff game. So we're working towards that. And when we lose back-to-back games, we say, all right, you know, what can we learn from this so that when we travel to somebody in the first playoff game, we're going to be ready for it. And so that is our focus. And so that we always talk about the end of October because that's usually when the first playoff game is. So we don't know who the opponent is yet. Uh, and so that's what we're working towards, though. I am going to put you on the spot. I, I, I lied to you earlier when I said I wasn't. Are, are, are you a fan of the open playoff system in Maryland, or would you prefer you have to qualify um, uh, for a playoff spot? Well, where we are now with our schedule, we need to have an open playoff schedule if we didn't we would have to we would have to probably lose some teams like i mean you mentioned the oakdales and yeah the, but i mean Linganors and tj's all, and all, all, all the bigger schools you play. we would we could lose to all of those teams and back in the day when you know bob Scheffler was coaching four teams would get in from each region and uh if you lost some of these games you wouldn't have enough points to get in so i'm a fan of it in the sense that it helps us make a long run because if you can get in and you're a 500 team or whatever, like we were back in 2015, we were above 500, but I mean, we didn't have a fantastic record, but we were ready at the end of the year. That was when it all clicked. Yeah, Tuscarora has done it a couple of times where they didn't have the greatest regular seasons, but they got hot at the right time yeah, and played their best at the right time. I remember, I, I, I can't remember if it was, was it 2008 or 2009 or somewhere yeah. around there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I remember they trained at, at Middletown that year. Uh, or maybe, yeah. Cause it was, I think we had just gotten turf and they, they came and they trained and I watched them and I saw how much they had grown from when we'd played them early in the season. And you're like, wow, this is, this is cool. Cause this is happening. You could see it. And then it happened for us a few years later. So in that sense, I'm a fan of the open playoff format. I do think, and this doesn't, this does not apply to our region, at least for 2A, and I'm sure 3A and 4A, but uh, and in 1A, um, uh, there are some regions where there are some schools that you know just they can't compete. No, they can't compete, and the scores are are extremely lopsided, and it does seem kind of like a waste to to maybe have that. Um, but where we are in our particular spot, I'm a fan of it. When I played, not to tell a story, when I played, they just started the open playoff format. And it was totally random, and your overall record meant nothing. And then every other game, you would alternate, home or away. And so my junior year, uh, we had a phenomenal team during the regular season. We had lost one game, so we're like 14-1, county champions, league champions. And our reward was we got a road playoff game that we had to play down in Bethesda Chevy Chase. And they're a phenomenal team and they were 2a at the time and so we lost a close game and you forever think well what if that game had been at middletown you know what if they'd had to get on the bus what if they'd had to play on our field which at the time had about an eight foot huge crown in the middle of it right but we were used you know you just wonder gosh you know 
could it have been different? But the next year, my senior year, uh, we navigated through it. So I guess, you know, if you get through it, you get through it. In the end, you just sort of play with whatever, whatever you have. So I, I don't know, long way around saying I'm okay with it. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mean, want to change it. The, the state quarterfinal round sort of helps the best teams get through to the um, to yeah. the. You get the right teams playing for the championship with the state quarterfinal round because it, it balances the regions a little better, right? Hopefully, I mean we've never in this new era we've never gotten through to the state quarters, but because we've always been bumped out in the region. I mean our region is tough enough, so right. I do think. I do think it helps, like you say, because the other half of our region includes Carroll County teams, which are have been so good. Centuries won multiple state championships, and so it is a little bit of help, I think, to to get out. And I think it's just exciting for any program to say, "Look, yeah. we got to states, and if you can give that one round further, I don't, I don't see a right." Problem and with and that. if you lined up with an incredibly weak region, I mean that that might help. But but the quality of the games in a semifinal and a state final might not be as good because because right. teams that might come from a weaker region are getting through that might not be that's uh, true yep. be, be uh, so deserving. Do you, do you like your turf field? I mean, you've had your turf there for a while <laughs> now. Or um, it it makes the game a lot faster, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a, we're we're lucky. We're appreciative that you know we got. The first one went in and you know, not had a replacement on it, uh, so it's a lot healthier. It was, it was not very in good shape over its last couple of years. Um, yeah, and the turf for the county has changed the game a lot. And we we scrimmaged South Carroll, and they're just so they're like so appreciative to come over and play on the turf because if they can get to you know, region finals or state games, then which are, play, which are played on turf. Yeah, it's on turf. So they don't get a chance to experience it. It makes the game faster. Uh, I think the skill of the players gets shown in a better way. But weirdly, if you're us sometimes against the more skilled teams, it works against you. There were years where it would work against us because teams would just love to come over and play in our field and show their skills off. And uh, we'd be like, oh, if, can we play you on your home grass field? Because we might have a chance. It's called home field disadvantage. Uh, uh, so. Yeah, so a little bit. but. Yeah. So what's on tap this week, Jeff? Uh, we, who, who do you have? Uh, you have a rare Tuesday off, I understand. A rare Tuesday off. Uh, so we're trying to recover our legs. Uh, and then our, our league, our, our CMC gamble play starts at Catoctin. And then uh, next week we've got Boonesboro. And then uh, comes Oakdale. So okay, it's a good stretch of games coming up. Yeah, getting into the middle of the season uh, all of a sudden, like September's almost over. It's, it, f- it feels weird. Like time's getting faster as we get older. It doesn't. It, yeah, it, yeah. I, I say it a bunch of times. It doesn't seem fair. They, it gets faster as you as you get older. That's right. So, yep. uh, what what do you teach, by the way, at Middletown? Well, some days, I you know. Uh, and more effective in my teaching than others. But if we're learning things, then I'm teaching um, uh, advanced placement psychology. And ah. I'm a, I do dual enrollment right now with Sociology 101. So it's through FCC, but we, we can do it at Middletown High School. So, so you're working on people's brains all day, right? In a manner of speaking. <laughs> people, yeah, people always say that I'm, I'm, doing, no, I'm just trying to teach them really interesting. I love the subjects. I'm just trying to teach them about people, the way people behave, the way people think. And uh, I promise I'm not 
I'm not messing with them. They're no, not no, no, no. I, 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 I don't mean you're doing it in a devious way, but, 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 but does that help you as a coach? I mean, because because you're trained in these behavioral thought processes. Uh, people will think that, but you know, I don't think so. I think you, you know, any coach probably reads a little bit of sports psychology. But I think being a teacher, being a classroom teacher, helps has helped me be a coach because you know, coaching wasn't my thing. That was never going to be my path. So. I, you know, they're a student athlete. I'm a teacher coach. So the, you know, the basic management organizational things that I deal with as a teacher are the things that I do, you know, probably the best for my coaching staff is I'll handle the paperwork. I'll handle the, the, this and the, that, and uh, make sure that, you know, the gear is there on time. And then as a coaching staff, then we can work on all the other things we need to work on. Absolutely. Well, hey, sir, it's been a pleasure having you on. Uh, wish you and your team well this season. So can't wait to see uh, how you improve and get better and and, 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 and how you're playing as, as the playoffs get started. So uh, Jeff you. Kolsch, uh, Middletown Boys Soccer Team, uh, thanks so much for coming in. Um, my thanks also to Graham Collin for producing the podcast and all of you uh, for listening. Uh, Alexander uh, Dacey and John Cannon coming on as well talking Frederick County Sports. So uh, that's for it. That's us. That is it. Easy for me to say uh, for us this week here on The Final Score, and uh, we'll see you back here next week. Have a great week, everyone.